Hey everyone, everywhere. I hope you're doing well today. Anybody kind of tired of the coronavirus stuff yet? Heard about a little girl this week who asked her mommy why she was muttering to herself and the mom said, I'm having a parent-teacher conference. <laughs> I think we're getting tired, folks. Take a look at this guy. That's one tired elephant. I think we all feel like a tired elephant right now, tired of COVID-19 because this thing has just lasted so much longer than any of us expected, and we're not really to the end of things yet. So just as a church, we just want to say now's the time to be smart. Um, we're not going to be controlled by fear or driven by foolishness. We don't want to make decisions based on pride or politics. As Christian citizens, we're interested not only in our rights, but also our responsibilities to be a good neighbor. So I know a lot of us are wondering, what is the plan for in-person gatherings at Mountain? When are we going to reopen? Well, I want you to know, we certainly have a plan. Um, and I encourage you to check out the full statement on the website. We're going to keep everyone up to date about all the phases that we're going to go through as we head toward a new normal. The main thing is I just want to let you know, man, your leadership is doing the best we know how to carefully think this through very prayerfully at every stage, considering everything we know to consider. So I would just encourage you, be patient, be positive, be kind, and be on mission because you can't really close the church, so you can't really reopen the church. And in the meantime, let's just get after it like you all are doing. In the meantime, off we go into the unknown, right? Off we go into the unknown. It's not just the church that's being thrown into the unknown. It's every single one of us. Like, none of us knows what tomorrow's going to look like for, for school or our jobs or grocery stores. Are we ever going to go to Ravens games, Vikings games again? Will we shake hands at church? Will the economy rebound? Will COVID come back every winter? Will they find a vaccine? Or will this whole thing become like a non-concern, like polio is today? Will people ever be friendly at Walmart again? Who knows? And this idea of moving into the unknown is actually something really important to recognize when it's happening, because even though it feels like an obstacle, it's an opportunity. So I'm going to ask you to do something really radical today, something countercultural and rare, something a lot of people, frankly, avoid. I'm going to ask you to think, to go beyond superficial noticing and commenting, and to think deeply about the bigger picture of what's going on, to step back and to see not just where we are as a culture, but also where you are in your life. You do realize that we're never going back to exactly the way things were, right? As, I think it's Thomas Wolfe who says you can never go home again because you can try to go back in time and recapture the past, but it never works. And the world is changing before our eyes. Things are going to be different on the other side of this. I don't, I don't think any of us knows exactly how or to what extent, but some businesses are not going to come back. Some new businesses will pop up in the new world. Zoom has changed the way we think about meetings and, and more people are going to work from home and more people are going to be homeschooling maybe or maybe they'll be eager to send their kids back to school, but we don't know. Will the airline or cruise industry or handshakes look different? Will the social mentality of, of this generation of kids who graduated or did they right now? Uh, all of these unknowns, and, and, and I think here's the question I have for you. How will you be different? Because you're being thrown into the unknown as well. 
And I just want to remind us today that if you spend all your energy trying to go back home to exactly the way things were, the more likely you'll miss the ways that God is hoping you will change through this time. And that's worth thinking about. When you look into the Bible about this whole moving into the unknown thing, you find out that it's common as dog hair. Turns out just about every Bible hero and figure you can look at gets disrupted from their former comfortable life and then thrust into some unknown. Either circumstances cause it or a natural disaster or God himself. And the other thing you see is that when people are thrown into the unknown, some of them, some of them, you know, fall apart. They become fearful and they shrivel up. But sometimes in the Bible, being thrown into the unknown, while it's always scary and hard, seems to be exactly where God shows up so strongly. And we've got all these amazing examples of God using the scary, difficult, hard experience of being thrown into the unknown to shape and mold people. God uses the unknown And God wants to use this season in our church and in your life. God God disrupted a guy named Abram. He said, go. Abram said, where? God said, I'll tell you later. You just start going. And off he went, thrown into the unknown, trusting God all the way. God disrupted Moses and said, I need you to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses says, I can't. I won't. He pushed back. He said, no way. And God said, I am. (laughs) And I will be with you. And Moses led those ornery children of Israel through the desert, not knowing which direction to go or how to get through it. Or, you know, when, you, when you're thrown into the unknown, it's hard, but it's a little easier when you know God's with you. Jesus disrupted some fishermen and said, follow me. And they were like, can I just keep living the way I used to? And he's like, nope. And they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus into the unknown. And three years later, after they watched him die and rise again, Jesus said, now go into all the world and make disciples of all people and be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. And they were thrown into the unknown. And we're still right there being disrupted over and over again. And right now through this thing called COVID-19, which is upsetting our lives and causing so many questions. What about my vacation? What about school in the fall? What about my income? What about, what about the disease? You know, will, will they be, these people be living with me forever? Will businesses ever get back to normal? We're, we're thrown into the unknown, aren't we? The Bible has this incredible framework I want to share with you today. Super important for helping us out right at this point. You can see it most clearly in the Psalms. You might even recognize this name, Walter Brueggemann. He's pointed out that there's basically three seasons of life, like stages where you experience very different things. And we are all always in one of these three stages or kind of moving between them. It's true at a collective level, like in our society, cultures in one of these three are moving between one of them. It's also true personally. What I'm hoping everyone realizes today is that each of us at a personal level has a lot at stake based on how we recognize and respond to these stages and how we move determine between them because it determines what kind of person you'll become. It'll determine what kind of growth you experience as a human being. I mean, this is really big. Whether you become a person with wisdom who's larger and broader and wiser and more compassionate, more savvy, more nuanced, 
stronger, healthier, deeper relationships, a better grip on reality, better able to help your friends, all of that. It's called maturity, folks, and it's what God wants, and he uses times like these when we're thrown into the unknown to accomplish all of that in our lives, but not if you miss it. So let's look at the stages. What are they called? The first one is what you'd call orientation. Orientation. This is when things are kind of normal and stable in your life, kind of all is right with the world. You basically feel satisfied with most things. You're not thinking about how things are going at all because they're basically going on status quo. So things are good, predictable, life kind of makes sense. And while it's not perfect, you know, most things are kind of going how you think they should. And when it comes to faith, you probably feel kind of confident, sort of settled, like, okay, I, I'm strong with God, or I'm just totally fine not believing in God. Whatever, spiritually speaking, you know, your status quo. There's like this sort of, you know, thing over you that kind of says, you know, I, I'm good right now. Everything kind of makes sense. And if there was one word to describe this stage of orientation, it might be like, ah, just kind of a relaxed, like stable, like, ah, okay. Personally, you kind of got it together. Relationally, it's all good. Spiritually, you're standing on solid ground. God's good all the time, and all the time God is good. That's orientation. But I think we all know that's not the only experience we have in life, is it? Because when someone you love leaves you, or when the phone rings and you hear that word cancer, or when you graduate and there's no job waiting for you like you thought, or the job you had is pulled out from under you, so many different ways and times life is disrupted and suddenly we're not in a period of orientation anymore. It's, it's a period called disorientation. We're thrown into the unknown. And right now, like probably no other time in modern history, we're seeing this huge period of disorientation where every one of us is thrown into the unknown, all of us experiencing this disequilibrium, like things we thought were sure are not sure. And it's kind of rattling and unsettling, isn't it? Instead of things being good, things are not good, unpredictable. Life doesn't always make sense in this period. It can be like a slight feeling of disorientation to like deeply unsettling and really upended. And it isn't just the outside world that's disoriented. We are internally. Like this can be a time of real anguish, like a, a deep hurt or confusion, like like alienation, like big questions that didn't used to be there at all, or deep depression or abandonment or like suffering and loss. You just feel kind of robbed of this stability. And you're like, why isn't everyone asking this question? You might feel scared or anxious or filled with self-pity or a lot of times just ticked off and rage just kind of bubbles up out of you in these weird unguarded moments. And you're like, where did that come from? But it's coming from a place of disorientation inside. Spiritually, you're not standing firm at all anymore. You're sliding into a pit, like into an abyss of some kind, you know. Prayers seem like they're just bouncing off the ceiling to God. He seems far away. It's a period of loss. The old world is like being dismantled and deconstructed right in front of your eyes. The one word to describe this stage would not be, ah, at all. It'd be more like, oh, no, because things that you kind of held are like slipping through your fingers and all screwed up. Personally, you're kind of losing it, scrambling, out of sorts, afraid, mad, despairing, or numb. And spiritually, you're sliding into a pit. It's disorientation. 
It's a lot, a lot of this in the Bible. It's not just our lives. It's all over the Bible. It's, it's actually called lament, lament. There's dozens of laments, especially in the book of Psalms. Lament, as you look at the book of Psalms, is actually the most common kind of psalm there is. There's more of these than there is psalms of praise and thanks and anything else. But you see these very distinct kind of like moves in a psalm of lament. Like Psalm 13 starts out saying things like, How long, Lord? Are you, do you even remember I'm here? Are you going to hide your face from me? I'm wrestling with these thoughts and, and, and I'm dying in my sorrow here. And he goes on to talk about how it seems like the bad guys are winning. I'm going to die here. And the psalms, you know, have all kinds of this lament going on. And here's some advice from God's word based on that. When you feel some disorientation, as I would think we all would, be honest about it with God especially. And the Psalms, they give us permission. If you need it, I'm giving you permission. Don't censor the real voice that comes even in the dark places. Let it out. Speak it out. God can handle it. It seems to me there's a lot of Christians today that have this kind of weak version of faith. And they think that, you know, faith can't really handle anything tough. So they always speak in these shallow, trite, little Christian cliches. Bumper sticker slogans that are perfect for sunny days of orientation. Life's good all the time. Too blessed to be stressed. The spiritual version of everything is awesome. And I get it. I say those things myself when I'm in orientation. But when we're thrown into the unknown, disorientation is real, y'all. And the example of the Bible is that that's no time to deny what you're feeling. You tell the Lord. You got to. Otherwise, you're going to prop up some fake faith and it's going to get bad enough one day you're going to just throw the whole thing away. So you tell God, I'm scared. I'm mad. This sucks. It isn't fair. I don't like this. God, where are you? Help me. If your prayer life doesn't include anything that sounds anything like that, I'm, I'm wondering if you're praying real honestly. And if you're not praying honestly, then you may well be one of those people whose faith needs to grow. And guess what? God's favorite time to grow us is when we're thrown into the unknown, like right now. So pray for real. You have permission to be angry, to yell, to cry, doubt, scream, all that. But that's not all lament does. In every lament, there's this amazing pivot, this crazy sort of change, this turn, this movement from despair where there's this glimpse of God, a sense that God is still there even in the dark, a movement from tanking to thanking, from the pit to praise. It's, it's a remarkable. You go back to Psalm 13, the one we talked about where it was so bad and he says, I'm hurting and all that. R- right after that disorientation, we don't know how much time. I mean, it could be just a moment. It could be a day. It could be after a good night's sleep. It could have been after going to worship. It could have been after talking to another godly friend. It could have been after reading the word of God. It could have been after months and months or even years of living in that dark, disoriented place. But there's a break. There's a change is a drastic turn. Verse 5 says, but 
I trust in your unfailing love, and my heart rejoices in your salvation. I'm going to sing the Lord's praise for he's been good to me. It's a radical turn, and that's the third stage we always see in Scripture, particularly the Psalms, from orientation to disorientation, and then finally, reorientation. In reorientation, we're, we're, we're surprised, we're like overwhelmed that finally there is light in darkness. There's a new gift of God that breaks in and joy bursts through despair. It's a fresh perspective. It's a new lease on life. Spiritually, we move from standing firm and orientation into sliding into the pit of disorientation and falling down, 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 down. But now we're back up to a new place and we're dancing on new ground. We're overwhelmed, not by our loss, but by this new gift. Friends, it is in the deepest losses that we find our greatest gifts in life. Where God is surprisingly present. If there was a word for reorientation. It's not, ah, or oh, no. It's, oh, wow. God is good. From tanking to thanking. We get surprised by some new way that God shows up and encourages us, teaches us, just when we thought all was lost. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, wow. Pit of chaos with no escape didn't get us after all. God's there speaking, showing, leading, providing. And we're amazed and grateful and we're thanking. I want to show you what those stages look like real clearly. If you open your Bible to Psalm 30, if you've got it, maybe we'll put the words on the screen as well. Just listen to this. Verses 6 and 7. Listen for orientation. Oh, I felt secure and I said, I'm never going to be shaken. Oh, Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. You hear all that? All's right with the world. But then look at verses 7 through 10. There's a big but... But, he says, God, now it seems like you're hiding your face from me, and I'm dismayed. I call to you. I cry for mercy. He goes on to say, I'm sliding down into the pit. Help. You hear it? Disorientation. But then verse 11, he doesn't stay there. Here's the turn. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth, and you clothed me with joy. And he goes on to say, I'm going to give thanks forever. Oh, wow. You see that in Jesus' life, right? Are you seeing the pattern? He he turned toward God in this period of orientation that he lived his life in. It was all about healing and loving and giving and peace and hope and joy and all was right with the world. But then he died so horribly and suffered and The disorientation of crucifixion smacks us in the face and we all kind of slid into a pit of despair. And if Jesus stayed dead, we'd all still be in that pit today. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again and God surprised us with grace, with a goodness, with new life. Just when it seemed all was lost, God comes through. This is the good news of the Lord. And so I encourage you to cling to that today in the darkness that we're passing through right now. Cling to that good news, that lament always gives way to praise. Though weeping lasts for a night, joy comes in the morning. Now, a couple things to note about these stages and then some takeaways. Number one, the movement between the stages is never easy. It's always hard. 
In fact, we, we don't move from orientation to disorientation until we're forced. We don't move from disorientation to reorientation until we have to. It might be a divorce or a death, a disease, but we're usually forced. Number two, we usually cling to the phase we used to be in because we resist change. When someone says the relationship is over or whether it's the doctor saying there's nothing more we can do or whether you look in the mirror and realize I can't stop my aging or whatever, maybe a virus that's changing the world, we tend to deny and resist and cling to the last stage we're in, but you can't really hold on to it. You can fear it, you can fight it, or you can faith it, you can embrace it. Movement from one stage to the next is hard. We tend to cling to the last stage, and here's the last thing. When you faith it, when you move with God into the unknown, every time that reorientation is when you grow. Every time. So, couple of takeaways for us today. We're all thrown into this unknown together in society, but also in our own lives. We have this disorientation. Well, first of all, remember this. You can't get to, oh, wow, without going through, oh, no. You can't get to, oh, wow, without going through, oh, no. There's a huge urge in all of us to miss what God is up to in this messy part right now, to fear it, to fight it, But one of the ways that grace is there is that God uses our pain. It's never wasted. Wanting to turn this bad thing into a beautiful thing. In life, pain is always a part of progress. It's just the way it works. There is no progress without pain. Think of all the times I've grown in my life. And I think of the times you've had these transformative experiences. They weren't when things were easy, when things were just coasting along. They were through some sort of struggle, hardship, transition, difficulty. That's when we grow. In fact, you can't grow without it. So it's a whole new way of thinking about the discomfort as we recognize that sometimes pain is a necessary pathway that we all have to walk if we're going to grow. In fact, avoiding the pain of it and refusing to embrace that transition to reorientation, sometimes it just prolongs the agony, like refusing to get a tooth pulled. So friends, discomfort of moving between stages is not our enemy. It's an avenue of growth and grace. As Sam Chan says, growth equals change and change equals loss. We're all feeling that. Loss equals pain. We're all feeling that, but guess what? Do the math. Growth equals pain. Some of this hurts, but we can only grow to the threshold of our pain. And if you're not hurting, you're probably not growing. So don't fight it or fear it. Faith it. Number two, remember this, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. That This whole thing, the whole disorientation could be described like a tunnel of chaos, couldn't you? Like you imagine you're a passenger on a big old train that's heading into this long tunnel cut through a mountain. And at first you go in, you can kind of see the light as you're looking out the window of the train. You can see the light from behind you. But then as the train kind of goes around a bend, you can't see the light from behind you anymore, but you can't see the light in front of you either. And all you know is you're being kind of hurtled down this track at breakneck speed and it's disconcerting and disorienting 
unless, unless you know and trust the conductor. And he says, hang in there, I got this. And then you go, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. But sure enough, you come around the bend and there it is off in the distance. You see what? The light at the end of the tunnel and it turns to an, oh wow, Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible says, see, I'm about to do a new thing. And some of you, you have a marriage that's like that train and tunnel of chaos and you need the light of the world, Jesus, to help your marriage, your future educational path or your future business, your faith is just rambling along like a train in a tunnel of chaos. And the, the message is that Jesus entered into a tunnel of chaos called a dark tomb and when it seemed all was lost, oh no, oh no, oh no, for three days, light burst forth and then the stone was rolled away and Jesus emerged and kicked the end out of that grave in such a way that we can all live our lives with light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dark it seems. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Number three, when it feels like you're being buried alive, just remember you're, you're actually being planted. <laughs> it feels the same sometimes, you know, the dirt comes on you. But God knows how to use all of our grief and disorientation, overwhelming circumstances you might be going through right now, hardship, struggle, all that dirt and crappy stuff. It makes for rich, fertilized soil that God can use to teach us and grow us and make us into what we need to be what he wants us to be. So take whatever you're going through right now and place it in the hands of God because there, man, that experience, no matter how raw or bad it is, has the capacity to draw us near to God and to draw out the best version of ourselves. It'll shape our character. So place it all, every obstacle in the hands of God. Now, when you're down in a hole, in a pit, you got to remember there's always hope. I love that old preacher story about the donkey that fell in a well. I bet some of you old timers know this story. There's a deep, deep hole. And down this donkey goes into the hole. And the farmer and the whole village, they freak out because the donkey fell down that hole. And it's horrible. There's no way they're going to get a donkey out of that hole. Donkeys can't climb up the steep side of it. And he's too heavy to lift out. If they put a rope around his neck, they'd kill him anyway. You know, so, so they, they give up. They just say, he's stuck down there. He's not getting out. I guess we should just bury him alive. And so it, it wasn't bad enough that he's down a hole. Now that donkey's got dirt being thrown on him. And, and so there it goes. But when they started shoveling that dirt down on that donkey. It hit that donkey's back and he instinctively, you know what he did? He just kind of shook it off. And they kept shoveling dirt on him, more and more dirt. And every time it came and landed on him, he just kind of shook it off. They kept shoveling it and he kept shaking it off. And before long, the, the ground beneath him kind of began to be built up a little bit higher and higher. He'd step it down. He'd shake it off and he'd step up. He'd shake it off and step up. He'd shake it off and step up. It was a deep hole. Shake it off. Say it with me. He'd shake it off and step up. Somebody needs to hear a little Taylor Swift in your life today because it's time to shake it off, shake it off and step back up. And the story goes that eventually that donkey just walked right out of that well. The Bible says in Proverbs 24 that a righteous person falls seven times, but by the power of God, he rises again. Just because you're in a hole right now, 
I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot about life that's in the pits. We're sick and tired and there's more dirt every day. We want out of this hole. We want, we want our freedom back. We love our jobs back. We want our 2020 back. We want our lives back. We don't want to be here. It's hard down here. But because this whole thing has us down in a pit right now, doesn't mean it's the last word for you, for any of us. Just because you're in a pit doesn't mean you're stuck in a hole forever. I know every day that goes by, there's more dirt that's thrown on us. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can lay there and let it bury you, or you can, in faith it, shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up, y'all. You can't keep all the dirt from falling on you, but you can keep it from burying you if you shake it off and step up. Because even that bad stuff becomes the very thing that can help us gain altitude upon which we stand until we can say with the psalmist, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. And now, reorientation, he's put a new song in my mouth and a hymn of praise to our God and many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Shake it off and step up. I wonder, how will you be different? To return to our question, if God had God's way with you during this time, when this is all over, how would you be different? What's kind of become clear to you? Specifically, two questions. What good things from this time do you want to keep? Do you think God wants you to keep? Family time, more Bible reading, journaling, a life less dominated by sports TV or more sleep so you have a better attitude, meals with your family, writing letters, dropping off groceries to people who need help. What are you going to keep? And number two, what new things do you want to start? As you move into a reorientation out of this, as it begins to become clear and you have a Oh, wow, experience. How is God convicting you about a change you need to make in your life? In your spiritual practices or your attitude or your gratitude or your family, your health? What new thing do you want to start? Be assured of this, friend. God is with us and God is speaking in this in-between time. To close, I want to remind you about a guy named Jacob in the Bible. He also finds himself in a strange in-between kind of place, out of sorts with a very uncertain future. He had a twin brother, Esau, who had the birthright and inheritance and the perks that go with that because he was technically older. But Jacob cons Esau out of it, totally rips him off. And Esau figures it out and he comes after Esau and he, after Jacob. And Esau's this truck driving redneck who's got his shotgun out chasing down his, his brother. I mean, he wants to kill him. It's like a crazy reality show. And Jacob is running for his life, running, running, running. And he finally collapses in a heap by the side of the road. The Bible says he just stopped at some, any old ordinary place, it seemed to him. It wasn't a permanent place. It wasn't a place he wanted to be. It wasn't a comfortable place. It was just where he found himself, like us. <laughs> Something blew up last March, and we were thrown into the unknown. We've been running, 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 and, and, and doing all this stuff, and, and you can't really even stop and think, man, I'm tired of this. <laughs> I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not comfortable here. I don't even know for sure where I'm going or if I'll know what it looks like when I get there. Where exactly where Jacob was. And he collapses in a heap. 
And some of you have probably had nights like that too, right? After hours of keeping up with the kids or after hours of Zoom fatigue, catching up with you. After hours of boredom, passing the time alone, or hours of wearing that mask and finally ripping it off and collapsing in a heap. Jacob, he grabs a stone for a pillow. It's not good sleep, in other words, but he's so dead tired, he crashes. And while he's sleeping, he has a vision of a stairway to heaven. Yeah, that's right. It's Led Zeppelin. It's where he gets the song from, right here. And what the Bible says is that God was sending angels and messages down to him, like a a bridge or a ladder from God. The the people of earth and and Jacob himself was sending messages back to God. There's this two-way traffic. So it's this powerful encounter with the living God where heaven is opened and a ladder is dropped. And you can just walk up and down the stairs into God's presence and God is coming down and moving about freely and touching and healing and right here with us. And it's this picture of closeness and intimacy where all of us would love to be, where God is real and right here with us in our world. And Jacob, he'd been so busy being thrown into the unknown that he was just running and going and hurrying and figuring out where to buy toilet paper and get the kids figured out and get the job and my future figured out, right? That's what our life is like. But he had this powerful vision of God's presence. And in the morning, he wakes up and it's like the whole world looks different because he's different. The dream was more real than his life was. And now he knows God is here. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Whole new reorientation where God is near and God is good and life makes sense again. And he says, surely the Lord was in this place, this ordinary place that I didn't want to be. And I didn't even know it. I almost missed it. Friend, don't miss it because God is here all along. I pray you'll have the same experience that Jacob had. I can promise you this, as we're all being thrown into the unknown, you can't get to oh wow without going through uh uh-oh, and there's no growth without change. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and when it feels like you're being buried, remember you're, you're probably just being planted, and when the dirt comes on you, shake it off and step up and let him pull you out of the miry clay, the slimy pit. Put your feet on solid ground. Because one day we're going to look back on this moment and say, oh my, God was in this place. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God has for you. 